This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Forest. I'm your host, Cameron Lemons Debro. This one's going to go up a little bit later than I wanted this to because I spent the last two days without a voice. It's a little better right now, but I'm sure you can kind of hear my voices trying to make its way back. This one's probably going to be a bit of a shorter one, not just because of the voice, but just because of it's the summertime and I still like doing the mailbags, but I think. You know, having a mailbag and just being able to expound on six, seven questions will probably do it a little bit more service. I can get a little bit more in the weeds into the questions, and there's some pretty solid questions from this week. So let's jump right into it. So first we have, and before I get into it, I do want to say if you do want to do these mailbags, I do them probably once every couple of weeks over on DVD and Digest. Sometimes I'll do it for the subscribers, other times I'll do it for pretty much everyone on the board. Get in there. A lot of good information. Been covering Wake Forest baseball, which is probably the reason I've lost my voice. Recruiting while Wake Forest uh, football is pretty much full at this point. There's still recruits coming in and out. Basketball is there's still a couple of guys on the board that we're looking for for the 2024 team, not so much 2023 team. A lot of good informa- information there. Myself, Les Johns, Joseph Griffin. Couldn't be a better time to jump in. So kicking things off with the Wake Forest basketball team. While we've brought in some highly talented players, most of them are largely improved at the college level. I'd love to hear how you feel about the team and if you subscribe to the notion that there'll be a top 25 slash sweet 16 team. So the first part of that, yeah, they are largely improving at the college level. And well, I would say some of them are. Um, Zonka definitely is a guy like Hunter Salas's Etchin Reed was, I wouldn't say proven, but it was very good his first year. You have a bunch of freshmen coming in, and you have guys like Zach Keller sitting behind there. Boopy, I guess, at the high at the high major level, isn't exactly proven. You have Jao Tuka, who spent pretty much all of last year injured. So yeah, so there is a bit of hesitancy in terms of saying you know this team has everything they need in terms of being a top twenty five, twenty sixteen team. But I think personally, I do think they should be a top 25 team, maybe not coming into the season. I'm completely fine with them coming in, you know, around the forties or so forties, fifties, just because there's so many things on paper that frankly, they just need to show before voters can say that they are. I mean, it's not so much a, 
not trusting Steve Forbes. I mean, at this point, I think Steve Forbes has submitted himself as the portal whisperer of guys that he's brought up that whether they have been at a high major school and just not played at all and turning them into all ACC players, shout out to Alonis Williams, guys that might have gotten misused at another school but still logged a solid amount of minutes. Hello, Ty Appleby. Or guys that have come from just, I don't want to say out of nowhere, but from schools that aren't necessarily, you're not looking at these schools and, and saying, you know, they're going to be a force right now, Jake LaRavia. And I think when you look at guys on this team, like a, I think a guy like Ty Appleby would be your kind of version of Hunter Salas in terms of, I think he wasn't used at Gonzaga the way he should have been. And I said this before, and I don't really understand why he ended up at Gonzaga, but I think the fit in Steve Forbes' offense is going to be something that is a dream come true for him and for his prospects as a hopeful NBA player. And I think he has, there has not been a talent like that at Wake Forest in a while. And there should be a lot of excitement. I think there's a lot of things get, I think there is, a lot of reason to be excited. I, I don't think it's necessarily being a homer to say this dude should be producing a lot when he gets in. With the guy that I'm, I'm going to mention, uh, Alondis Williams, I think that guy right now was probably more of, I don't, I would probably say more of a boopy in terms of just didn't really get, actually, now boopy probably isn't the best example. Zonka probably be the better example there of at a high major really just didn't log any minutes whatsoever. And you don't really know why. Like I, I'm not really sure why that Oklahoma team, like he averaged what 18 and a half minutes this last game and just wasn't used a whole ton. No, it's a lot more than Zonka. But I think in terms of just saying like I, I don't really know why you were used so little. And I get UCLA had a ton of experience in front of Zonka, but I really, I really enjoy Zonka's game. I don't know if he necessarily turns into an all ACC <laughs> player of the year, gets drafted next year, but there is a ton of talent with that, with that guy. I mean, he's a solid wing. He can, he's a spot up shooter. He, the one thing about him is he just needs to let the game come to him a little more. He tries to speed things up a little bit. And I think a lot of that was because he was so not excited, but pressured into, and I think the same thing with, with Hunter Salas a bit with his turnovers. There was a lot of pressure for him to stay in the rotation or even try to crack the rotation. And same thing actually really with that degree too. There was a lot of pressure. And that when that happens to you, you start pushing more and more and more. When you're in an environment that isn't necessarily conducive to saying, hey, you can mess up and that's okay. I mean, you look at a guy like Efton Reed, him messing up at, at Gonzaga basically meant like, you know, for a game or two, essentially pushed him out of the rotation. And same thing with Zonka. I mean, he, I know there was, again, there was a lot of guys in front of him, but if you're in an environment that says, Hey, we can't afford for you to be for you to struggle out the gate. Then whenever you get those minutes, you're going to push a little bit harder and harder. And sometimes you don't need to push that hard. Sometimes you just need to let things kind of slow down. Let the game come and be fine. I think that's kind of where Zonka was last year. And I think now 
that he'll be in a position where while the team still wants to win, this isn't like, this isn't something where Wake Forest is going to be like, yeah, you know, we're, we're putting all the pieces together for a 2024 run. Like, no, they, they want to win this year and next year and the year after and the year after. But this is something where he's at a position where I think he'll have a little bit of the best of both worlds of he'll be able to gain however many minutes he could play. But it's also something where I don't think, at least especially out the gate, they'll be able to say, you know, if you make one mistake, you're, you're, you're gone here. Like, no, it's, I think they'll be a little bit patient with them. And I think there was a reason why they wanted him last year. And I thought that was a really, really fun thing where people kind of thought Forbes was kind of sitting on his hands last year after Jake stayed in the draft and come to find out Zonka was a guy that they've finished runner up to UCLA for. And international recruiting is just always just kind of weird and kind of quiet. It's one of those things that it's quiet until it isn't just because they're seven, eight hours ahead and the connects there are just different. And those guys just like keeping things quiet until things aren't, unless they're really trying to push for a spot somewhere. So, but I think that Forbes has probably earned the benefit of the doubt in terms of guys he's recruited. And I think Zonko should be one of those that I'm like, I'm not expecting him exactly to be all eight, the best player in the ACC, but I'm expecting him to have a solid, solid role in this team. I think Sweet 16 kind of depends on, and it's something that we're all going to pretty much probably agree on, is what happens, what happens with the bigs? What happens with does Marsh take the step that we expect him to? Does a guy like Efton Reed not only get the waiver? And I know there was a question on the read waiver process. I haven't heard much about it. Don't think I'll hear much about it for another few weeks, maybe a month. NCAA has no incentive to, there's a, there's a, a hand, there's not more than a handful of them out there. When has the NCAA ever, ever done anything in a timely manner? So we'll, we'll find that out later. But if Afton Reed does get the waiver, does he revert back to the form he was in at LSU? Or was the person we saw at Gonzaga more of alongside the lines of what he was, what he is? And Eileen, probably somewhere in the middle right now, just until he, I'm more of a, just a, you show me be better and I'll believe you. But again, I think it was a thing of, he went in there thinking to Gonzaga, thinking that he'd have a lot more opportunity than he was given. And then you see a Drew Timmy coming back and then they had a couple other guys kind of really in front of him, and it made him push a lot more and more. He's got, to, he's got to clean up the foul, and the fouling has been a problem his entire career. But I think that it, I think that situation made him push more than he should have. And I think coming here, he that won't happen. I think he'll be able to grow into his own. He also had a back injury late. I think I think it was around late December, early January, and that basically excluded him from the rotation. You know, does Zach Keller end up being? the guy there does Andrew how much of Andrew Carr the five are they going to play and how how efficient will that be so I think you know figuring out the best way to not only be better at center but also being better at center that doesn't hurt you from shooting and I think that's something that I've been very much harping on is 
this team still needs to be able to shoot. And that's probably my biggest question right now in terms of will they be not so much Sweet 16, top 25, will they be bad versus will they be good? It's the UNC problem from last year of, sure, you can have a bunch of talented people on the court. Can anyone shoot? And I think having Damari back will be tremendous for that. At three, I think Boopy will be fine shooting um, at the one. And so that's where I think you have two spots if you don't start Carr at the five. You have two spots where you're trying to figure out, okay, can these guys shoot? And I think Salas is, Salas is never going to be a guy that's going to be a 35, 36% shooter. That's just not who he is. Can he give you something? Was the guy shooting, was the guy, the British guy shooting from the AC tournament, was that Cam Hildreth, the actual Cam Hildreth? Because that guy was just unbelievable. And, you know, if we get that guy for moving forward, then that team unlocks a whole new different dimension. But yeah, I mean the the guy I mean, he didn't he didn't take he took what he take five threes and made made three of them. That's that's what you need. Like that's exactly what you need. And I think it's a really, really solid start from him there. And I think you know if he's able to progress on him shooting threes, that'll help a lot. Again, I mentioned Tag Keller. He's ice to but time between the four and the five. Can he be productive? You know, Marquise Marion, can he be productive from outside? I know Parker, Parker Friedrichson, a little sharpshooter over there. Can he put on 20 pounds, please? But I think the two questions you're going to have right now are how are they going to be from the outside? And what is the best pairing? Not so much the best defensive pairing, but what is the best pairing in general for them at the four or five moving forward? And I think those are kind of the two questions they need to be answered before, you know, top 25 sweet 16 comes in. I think they're going to answer those questions and I think they will be a top 25 team. I think this should be one of the better rosters in the ACC. If the pieces come together as they should, it's just a matter of, I, I just don't think in the last few years, and this is no slight to two years ago's team or even last year's team. Cause I mean, they were guys like Isaiah Misha's that's my guy. Ty Appleby basically willed them to a bunch of wins. Jake LaRavia. Great. I Dallas Walton, great. I think this is the best collection of basketball talent that they'll have had. I think the last couple of years, they've done a lot of being better teams. And, but I think there have been times that people have been kind of jammed in the roles they probably shouldn't have. Alondis probably should not have been the point guard that year. He did fantastic of it because he made it to be made it as a ACC player of the year, but he probably shouldn't have been the one there last year. You have, and I think Andrew Carr still probably starts out as the five and we kind of go from there. Carr probably Carr shouldn't have been the five again when they play bigger teams, but there are some times that they just couldn't have anyone else playing there. And then you have Monsanto going down and, you have no one else that can shoot and really just no one else that can that can be a strong wing besides Cam. And I think this year you have a lot more pieces that you can mix and match. And I think that's going to be really important just because I don't think they'll go 10, 11 deep. That's death is a myth, but I think they'll be deep enough that they can go eight and 
be fine to be able to switch people around in the lineups and say, hey, we can attack different matchups versus having basically one to two matchups to attack every game. So I think they'll be top 25 team. Tournament can be a crapshoot, and we'll kind of go from there. I know the generic answer is unproven but talented. We trust tobacco, Coach Tobacco and Coach Cohen, et cetera. But how do you and people inside the program really feel about the offense defensive line heading to the summer and fall? Is it a big enough concern that it might ultimately hold the team back? So with I'll start with the offensive line. I don't think there'll be a problem this year. I quietly think this will be one of the better offensive lines they've had in a couple of years. I think it's going to boil down to what Spencer Clapp does at left tackle. And it's not so much singling them out. The guy's just had knee surgery on both his knees. I like more athletic tackles at left tackle, but they seem to very much trust him at left tackle. And there might be some mixing and matching as this fall comes on. We'll see what spring brings for us, the summer, we'll see what summer brings for us. But I really enjoy moving Michael Jurgens over to a guard position. I think that's going to be fantastic. I think it allows him to use his athleticism and still use his brain without having the guy who's been concussed a few times you know, popping up from being a center. And I think he got, he got caught a couple of times. He's gotten caught really a few times lately. And I think him being at guard allows him a little bit of protection there, but allows, but he's, he's a massively strong human for his size. I think him being at guard helps a lot because Fluke Pettibone moving him, well, having him be in the center. I know last year they really wanted him to really come in and, play a lot of snaps and ultimately he tore his ACL at the end of middle end of 2021 and essentially didn't have the surgery until mid January. And then by the time he was fully recovered, it was, I think October, September, October. And by that time, he's just so far behind in terms of his strength, in terms of, just getting reps in general, it would have been a liability to throw him out there. And I think, and now that he's been able to fully recover from his injury and while ACLs aren't necessarily career threatening anymore, it's allowed him to just get stronger. And that's one thing I think we don't take into account when we're talking about guys coming back from injuries. It's not so much when you're coming back from it, you're spending so much time trying to get back to where you were, not so much progress and get stronger and stronger. And I think he's been allowed to get stronger. I, so I, and I, I remember just hearing about him from the All-American Bowl a couple of years ago when he was a fr- when he was a high schooler and Gervon Dexter he was the only person there that was stopping him. And I there's a reason for that. Like they people were looking at him and went how the hell did Wake get this kid? And I think Luke Pettibone's going to be a fantastic center for them. Right guard, I'm really excited for that. Nick Sharp is someone that I know fan bases fan base has been like, you know, let's get like this 330 pound mauler. This dude's athletic as hell. Really enjoy him. Really smart guy. Really strong. Matt Goldman, I think he's about 305, 308 right now. Super strong kid. And then whoever wins wins it there. And honestly, if they're able to kind of flip them out left and right because injuries always happen. Cool. I like Devontae Gordon at right tackle. I've I'm really, really high on this offensive line. I think that they're more athletic than they're going to, they're going to be very athletic. And I think with a guy like Mitch 
where he, I think you're going to kind of roll him out a little bit more, run him a bit. You're going to, that's going to be helpful there. And, and then it also helps kind of mask the deficiency. If one, if one guy isn't really working out, roll someone out and just go from there. So I think the offensive line would just fine. And I think they'll be better in run blocking. That's the one part I think that they need to be better at in run blocking. And I think they'll be a lot better there. The defensive line love what they've got on the edges. Love Jasheen Davis. Their scouts will hit me up and just be like, who they're there. I know guys were watching Rondell and we're like, Hey, hey, hey who's, Who's who's that guy? And I was like, that's that's Jasheen. And they're really this is this is the money year. This is a money year for Jasheen. Behind him, BJ Williams, who originally came in as a drop end and just kind of got bigger and kept getting bigger. And you know, now he's gonna be a strong side guy. Really love his potential. That was when they got him, that was a steal. I thought it thin, think it now. On the other side. Ken John for a dude who really hasn't been playing football for a long time. Plays like his hair's on fire. I love the addition of Jalen Hudson being a defensive end. They can still drop into coverage from time to time, but just the fact that he doesn't have to think, and I think because I think he's a very, very good special teams player. And think part of it is because he doesn't have to think as much. And just sometimes just having that many calls, and especially for a guy that's like a middle linebacker. Some people just can't handle that, and that's okay. There are different positions on the field for you, big dog. We got you. It means nothing bad about you. But him still being very intelligent and being able to just be at a drop-in position well, the Deacon now, I think really helps him. And I think you know him, he's always been more athletic. He's always been kind of a lanky freak. He's always been really strong. And I think putting him on the line against a tackle that might not be as good is going to do wonders for him. Fifth tackle is, is the worry part, and it's something that we're going to have to see throughout the summer and see throughout fall. Fall camp is, you know, what else is there? We really like Deion Bergon, and then you're kind of excuse me, not Deion Bergon, uh, Kevin Pointer, and then you kind of just have a bunch of I don't know right now, and that's the that's the hard part is. I know they were really, really high on Bryce Ganyas out of Villanova, but he came into he came into school, had an injury, and essentially missed most of the spring. We returned the last like think, week and a half of spring, so he's gotten at least some reps. But this this summer is going to be ultra important of him just getting stronger. Like you've like it's just that adjustment part. Same thing with Nick Helbig. Wish he was able to get there in the spring, and I think everyone did. I think. If he had been able to get there in the spring, the offer list would have blown up a bit more. But when you're a guy that's in the portal and not able to get somewhere into the fall, that's one of those guys that's very easy to get lost in the and lost in the portal and say, yeah, we'll we'll check back around when you come April, May. And by then, other bigger names have popped into the portal. And so I think that he's spent his entire spring working out with his team, working out with his team getting stronger, going to the gym. Like every time I tried to call this kid, he was at the gym. So, but I mean, it's, he's got to get adjusted. He's on campus now and he's got to get bigger. And then one of Justin Williams and Isaiah Chaney has got to do something. If if it's not them, it's one of the freshmen, but I think there's going to be a healthy push on a guy like Justin Williams to be good. And can you give us 15 to 20 snaps a game? That's all. We don't need you to be 40. We need 15 to 20 right now the dt might be where the hard part is 
this year. I think those. St- I think the defensive line will still be good against the run. What Lambert has kind of changed things up, why like scheme wise, has really allowed them to be better against the run. It's just going to be what happens on third down, and if you don't have enough disruptive bodies in the middle on third down, that could be a problem. So, right now, fingers crossed, but it's a we're going to see what we can do. And it was a thing that there weren't bodies that they could get in the portal that either too expensive or were just another body in the room. And you didn't need another body in the room. You have a couple of freshmen here, guy like Isaiah Chan. You have enough guys that are just like here right now. Difference makers, different story. And so I think they have three. If they can get to four, they'll be good. How will Wake's offense look different in football this year? So I've been kind of watching through, and it's been not a painful process, but fighting games for 2016 and 2017 can be kind of hard. But one thing that I've seen that I think that they'll implement without, you know, breaking the certain things about spring football can't things happen and they just happen. I'm under the impression, at least, that this will look a lot more like your John Wolford offense. You'll have a guy sitting probably five, six yards back. And instead of working his way up into the pocket where, you know, a 5'10", 5'11 guy can get the ball swatted down from from, probably going to kind of stick back. He'll still run an RPO from time to time. And Mitch has a good enough, has more than a good enough arm to kind of sling it downfield. And so I think you kind of see him kind of step back maybe take off a lot, um, not maybe he'll take off more there. There's that's one thing I can't say. Mitch, Mitch uses his legs a ton and I'm really, really pleased to see that. I don't know how much they're going to curtail that given the fact that they're not as deep. Like I trust Michael Kern, but you know, backups are backups for a reason. And so he's still going to run. It's just a matter of how much are they going to curtail it a little bit. So, but I, I think we'll see, I think that, I don't think so much will be gone, but I think you'll see less of that just because you don't want a guy that size in the teeth of a defense. Like you just don't want that. I think you'll see a bit more of the running backs in the passing game, especially if they feel comfortable with the offensive line. I made the note on a different thread somewhere, but I believe it was the fact that Matt Colburn in 2017 had more routes run than both Christian Turner and Justice Ellison did last year combined. And that's like, that's wild to me. Like that, like that, that, that is a wild thing to me. And it's, Partially because, you know, the offensive line, especially because they had some injuries last year. McGinn spent some time banged up, whether they were playing or not. McGinn spent some time banged up. Jeviante Nash was, was hurt slash throwing up back half of the season. You know, Jergens was playing through injuries. This was something that they were just, they couldn't necessarily feel comfortable with with just five guys in. And sometimes they'll have to, you know, you bring the tight end in and make a six guy, but even then you're dealing with six guys and two, two to three of them are injured at the time. So 
I think if they trust the offensive line as much as I think they do, we'll see a bit more of a guy like DeMond Claiborne in the passing game. That guy can break a game open. You'll see a guy more like Will Towns in the passing game. And I think stuff like that will help Mitch because just giving him these quick outlets will be better. And I think that's one thing that I like about Mitch is just whether it's a quick pass or whether it's his legs, having another guy to account for in the passing game helps so much because it just puts so much of it. You, when you're putting people in conflicts like that, things just break down. It might not break down that first second. It might not break the first play, the second play, the third play. But once you start putting in people's minds, whether it's defensive coordinator or what, or whether it's a safety or whether it's a, a linebacker on a, on a spy, they, they continue to see this, a, a running back coming out of the flat. They continue to see a quarterback that can actually move. That was something that happened last year in 2021 with Sam. They continue to see Sam be willing and able to take off. And it opened up a chunk of the field and things got broken wide open there. And it just made for a lot easier plays for a lot of, for, for him, for the wide receivers, for the running backs. And I think that's something we're going to see more of that is just, Warren start stress testing defense because last year he could really only stress test it with kind of guys split out or the speed of the wide receivers, whether it's Moran or Keyshawn. I think this year he'll be able to test them in terms of, Hey, how disciplined are you? Are you willing to give up this running back who is quarterback who, you know, he could only get two yards, but he's also five foot 10, 180 pounds. This dude can scamper and get 25. You you will in the spin that roulette and see what you get. And I think that type that type of stress testing on the defense will really because it's, it's really hard to, to see that in spring because you know what spring is also just more of a learning sort of thing versus a complete vibe shift. Like you're not gonna go from one spring saying, Oh yeah, we're doing nothing but just throwing 60 yard bombs to oh, we're doing nothing but running just read options, Mitch go take off. No, you're trying to get acclimated to everything. You're not trying to put too much stress on a defense because they're also trying to learn. They have new guys in, especially like they were they were throwing out walk-on DBs at a certain point and, and linebackers just because of injuries and graduation and stuff like that. No, like you can't you can't sit there and just throw super complex. You can throw it every now and again to kind of put it in the playbook, but you can't make that your entire offense. Now, when you get in the fall, when you're actually running against scout teams, stuff like that, then you can start, then you can start doing people dirty. And I think we'll see a lot more of that Walford style of just how disciplined are you this year? Rank the ACC football teams going into 2023. Does anyone besides Clemson FSU have a chance of winning the ACC championship? It is the ACC. Everyone has a chance to win the ACC championship unless you name is Syracuse or Boston College or Miami. Anyone else does not have an idea of winning the national of winning an ACC title. So, if I was ranking everyone right now, I'd probably start at the bottom, and I'd probably have Boston College at the bottom. I think the Halfley train is is coming to an end eventually. I don't think that team's. I think they had a lot of issues last year with health and some of them are fixed. I don't trust them at quarterback. I don't trust them in running back. I don't trust them at receiver. I don't trust them at offensive line. I don't trust a lot of that offense in general. 
on the flip side, I think they were they had some they were fine at corner, fine at linebacker. I thought besides one guy, they were terrible up front. I just don't know what positive I have for Boston College next this year. Like I they don't recruit well enough for me to say, you know, there's a guy coming in that's really, really gonna help them. I don't like I, I not that I I think Halfley's a, a great person. I don't know if he's able to coach up. I think he was a a good guy in a good in a good situation at Ohio State, parlayed it into a into a head coaching job and go from there. Yeah, I I just don't I don't see it from this team next year. Above them, I'd probably have Virginia. Actually, no. Before above them, I'd have Syracuse. I'm a little bit higher on Virginia this year just because I think that defense can keep them into games. So I, I'd have I'd have Syracuse second to last. Sean Tucker masked a whole lot of deficiencies in that team last year. <laughs> that team, ugh. and also just defensively wise, they lost a ton of production. They lost every single, they lost their defensive coordinator, their safety slash passing game coordinator, their cornerbacks coach. They, they have so much turnover on that defensive side of the ball. And that's going to be an issue. I know they brought in someone that runs a three, three, five, and that's, that's great. They uh, same thing with Boston College. They don't recruit enough for me to say you're going to overcome that. Offensively, I've never been a Garrett Schrader guy. I think he's a guy that just throw. I, I think we saw exactly from him what we saw from Brennan Armstrong the year before. Of this guy can just throw up 400 yards of garbage, and you'll beat a couple people that are just meh. But when you actually play good teams, you're gonna you're gonna lose and. So I'm not a not a huge fan of that Syracuse team at all. Right above them, I have a two way tie between Virginia and Virginia Tech. I think Virginia Tech's Virginia, I think Virginia's defense is really really good. Questions on the offense. Having a new offense coordinator is going to be interesting. There, I I I have questions in that quarterback. You know, bringing bringing a guy from that really isn't that tested. Up there, but I think that they'll be fine. You can't be worse than last year. You can try, but you can't be worse than last year. Virginia Tech, I I might have them lower. I want to see what they can do. I at least think they recruit better so they can actually offset some of the losses they've had. I think they recruited well at wide receiver. I think recruited well at, at running back. That offensive line is kind of stinky. It, it's it's not it's not my favorite at all right now. They re, and also replacing an offensive line coach that they lost to Notre Dame. You know this is going to be an interesting one for them. That I I don't know. I mean they and they, they got Clayton Frady the other day. I know they added a guy. I, know, I think they had one more guy for, at an offensive tackle as well. I want to. I need to be able to see this offense be good. I have not been <laughs> I have not been a Grant Wills fan anyone that knows me or knows anyone that kind of exists in the college DFS space or college betting space knows that Grant Wells is not ve- looked at very favorably for for good reason I like Kyron Jones if Kyron Jones can't beat out Grant Wells we have an issue here so but I, I do like that they had like I think Bashal Tudin was a really good running back pickup really liked guys like Jalen Lane I really like the guy from ODU, Ollie Jennings. Defensively, 
they were fine last year. And I know they got Antoine Powell. I like the um, at edge from, from Florida. I like the Stone Snyder pickup at linebacker even though he's walking on. I liked Derek Cantine at corner. Gonna see interesting to see like kind of where he plays there. But it's gonna be one of those things of is your offense gonna keep you out on the field too much and they're gonna they're gonna gas out. So we'll see. I I I don't think they'll be a good team this year, though. I think next year they could be a good team. This year I don't think they'll be good. Above them, Pitt. I ooh, I think we're I think we are on scam watch right here with with Pitt. I don't look. I think their quarterbacks stink. I think the wide receivers stink. I think they've they've had a very good defense. But if you can't play offense, what's going to happen here? Like you kind of you kind of got away with it last year. With you know Keaton Slovis, who isn't really good at all, but. What are you going to do this year? Like, I, I, I genuinely am curious to see how far this offense can fall. And I, you know, I look, I look back at their, their, their games last year and it's like, it was just weird. Like they put up, they, I mean, there were injuries obviously, but 38 against West Virginia, 27 against a bad Tennessee offense, 34 against Western Michigan, 45 against Rhode Island, 21 against Georgia Tech, who was not good last year. 45 against Virginia Tech, who was meh. 10 against Louisville. 24, which, you know, seems like a big number. But against UNC, against a team that was giving up 30-plus 30 30 a game. Only 19 against Cuse. Put up 37 against a good Virginia defense. 28 against against Duke. But I, it was a very up-and-down performance for them last year with Slovis. And, but they also had Izzy Abanacanda. Izzy Abanacanda is not there this year. So, and sure, running backs are replaceable. It happens, et cetera. What's, uh, what's going to happen to you guys without a solid quarterback, you know? And I know they got Phil Yurkovich. Never really been a Yurkovich fan. I don't think he can move very well. You're, you're going to have to answer a lot of those questions. I think they have more questions than answers right now. Barely above them, I'll put Georgia Tech. I think Georgia Tech recruited well. I think that tech really, and this isn't schedule. This isn't schedule adjusted. That that'll come later because there a lot can happen between now and August in terms of rosters, injuries, just people not producing in in the fall. But so I I'm not, I don't want to get into the schedule adjusted. I think Georgia Tech is will be a decent, will be a fine team. I don't say decent. I think they'll be a fine team with a miserable schedule. That schedule is way too hard for them right now. So I'd probably put them right there. I think offensively, they'll be fine. They had a competent defense last year. So I think that I think it's just the schedule for them. I'll probably go Duke right above them because good Lord that I think probably these four teams I'll put together in terms of, I think how like the teams are actually constructed Duke, Wake, Louisville, NC State. I think those four are pretty much constructed. Actually, before them, actually before those that group, I'd put Miami. I think Miami's not not a good team. I don't think they're good. I think Mario Cristobal is a fraud. Very, very good recruiter, terrible in game coach. Nothing more than that. So right above them, that group of Wake, Duke, NC State, and Louisville. I think there's a really good talent. I'd probably put State last in that group because I don't think they have wide receivers. 
I really don't think they're they're good there. I think that that offense is just a bunch of backyard football that they're about to run with Robert and I. I think defensively, they're always going to be a very, very solid group. I I really have questions on that offense going into this year. So I think right above them is Dukes. I think their defense is going to be solid again. Can they recover every fumble known to man? Probably not again. They probably don't have a 100% rate of turnovers again. Offensively, really like Riley Leonard, like the wide receivers. I think the offensive line needs to have some work there. They, they brought some guys in in the portal. I think all of them transferred out. They've got to fix off at the line. Wake, I think Wake's offense will be good. Can they can they run the ball and get off the field on third downs? And then I think you have your top three of Clemson, number one, Florida State two, North Carolina three. Just going into the season, I think it will be, you know, as things adjust. UNC's there just because process of elimination. And I really, really thought about including them in that group of a group of four. And I'm kind of tempted to do it again. But I think that the hope for them is that this that Mac kind of figures it out. And I think just be, and I think just because they won last year, they still have Drake May. I think they're right now a better team just on paper. I really like what they did in the portal on offense, on defense, eh. But maybe they just go to maybe they're just taking the 2021 wake approach and just saying, we'll score 50 points. Go for it. And then Florida State, Clemson, until until someone until Florida State beats Clemson, I'm not putting them over them. I think Mike Norvell did a great job in the offseason. Don't think that it's good enough to beat Clemson. I really like the Garrett Riley hire for them. I think it's exactly what they needed in terms of both Kate Klubnick and in terms of just revitalizing that offense. That offense was just so stale. They beat Wake because DJ, DJU had the best game of his career, which really is annoying, but I mean, that's not even, I don't even think that's a homer sort of take. DJ, you had his best game of his career that day. And like it, and it wasn't just the people being bad. He was throwing some absolute lasers. He was, there were three people draped around him and he still was completing two point conversions. That can't tap tipper cap on that one. But I, I think with the Riley hire, that defense is going to be nasty again. I think that, you know, those two are your two teams to win the ACC title. I don't like that Clemson's the second favorite in Florida's force. It's favorite. I have bet on Clemson to win the title. So we'll go from there and see if there's anyone else, because I don't want to go this to go too long. I think the last one will probably be which uh i guess who are the guys you expect to see see regular playing time during the acc play and which players winning acc player of the year without without bobby who you know good to bobby happy him he'll be drafted in a couple weeks good on you uh so i think you'll see one boopy two damari three cam four hunter salas five andrew carr six marcus marion seven Jawatuka, eight, Zonka. I think you can go 10 because it depends on the read waiver. Because if Reed doesn't play, then you have to have that. I think you, I think Keller has to be playable at this point. I think you have to play him with a nine and as a nine. And then I think that would be, that would be my nine right now until people get stronger and go from there. 
that would that would be that would be my nine. So yeah. So what was that? Boopy, Damari, Carr, Cam, Salas, Reed if he gets the waiver at six, Chow, Marcus Marion, Keller. That is that would be that'll be the nine right now. I'd I'd bet on. Which player is winning the AC player of the year without Bobby? Ooh, I mean, honestly, Hunter Salas. I, I think I'm right. I think we're gonna we're gonna since I can't vote for Bobby, and I think Boopy gets more into a facilitator role. Put put me in for Hunter Salas. I'll, I'll I'm gonna jot that one down. Thank you guys so so much for all this. Really enjoy your support. And as always, go Deeks. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.